Welcome to the Women of Steel podcast. My name's Nia Singleton and throughout this series I'm going to be talking to the women who hold power positions and those changing the landscape of the steel industry. Those women who are working towards creating a sustainable organisation in the face of a challenging world steel market. Our guests will reflect on their careers and how they believe working in a male-dominated environment has shaped them. Today's guest is Dr Laura Baker. Laura joined the company in 2001, 19 years ago, as a sponsored doctorate in steel metallurgy. She's had lots of jobs across our industry, mostly in our technical and supply chain departments, starting as a CTS engineer working with automotive customers. She's headed up um, a planning team and also is currently the head of product management and development, leading a team responsible for managing our product portfolio. Laura is a mum to Ellie May, who's nearly five and is married to David. So, hello, welcome to the podcast, Laura. How are you? Good morning, Neil. I'm well, thank you. I'm well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, so, just to start, I just want to know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, yeah, interesting question. I went through a lot of different things. Um, the, the normal sort of, I want to be a vet, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an astronaut. But I think... I, I always, always wanted to know how things worked. Um, I, for those of people of, of a similar age to me might remember Play School. Um, it was a children's television programme. And in, in that programme, there, there was always a section where you would go and look through the different windows. Yeah. And on the other side of the window was always some kind of factory. And I loved those. I loved understanding how those factories worked and... Um, I think I remember when we milk bottles, milk bottles whizzing around a, um, a conveyor belt. And I was just always really interested in stuff like that. And as I got a bit older, I started taking the video machines apart, much to the dismay of my parents. <laughs> and, and just always wanted to know how things work. Some people might call that nosy. Um, I actually discovered it was called engineering. So, um, yeah, that, so that was it's always been in me. So did you have any um, anybody in the family that was an engineer or was it just sort of just within you? You just wanted to find out how things work. What, what does that cog do? What What is this about? Yeah, I, um, no, no one in my family, really. I mean, my, my grandfather was was an accountant, which is about as close as close as we got. But but no, my my family is all writers and artists. Which So maybe it was a rebellion against, <laughs> against that. I don't know. But I, I've always been right throughout school interested in science and, and maths and um and the natural world and like I say understanding how things work. So as a child then you're really interested in how things work, looking deeper into things, delving into things. So how did you end up in the steel industry then? So you, you went and you did um, a material science and engineering degree and then you were doing your doctorate in steel metallurgy. So how did how did you segue into steel metallurgy then? So I think you know I, I did my, um, my undergraduate degree in, in Swansea and in in the 90s as it was if you were doing an undergraduate in in materials in Swansea it was very steel focused I mean obviously the the, the Potalbert plant is just over the water uh, and there was there were very strong links and there still are very strong links between what was British Steel now Tata and the university so it was inevitable by by choosing to go to Swansea to do that particular course that it, it would become steel heavy um, before I came to Swansea because I'm from Bristol originally. I, I hadn't thought of the steel industry. Yeah. Um, but then it kind of, you know, I, I, I got more involved through my degree and, and it really piqued my interest, had a couple of site tours. And, and, you know, many people who have a site tour suddenly fall in love with our industry because 
it's amazing. Um, and then, you know, when I finished my my undergraduate degree, I didn't I didn't really feel ready to stop my education. I felt like I wanted to learn a bit more, but I didn't want to do a standard sort of lab based um, PhD. And the engineering doctorate scheme was a great kind of compromise between between work and study because it allowed me to carry on doing some research, but do it in an industry environment. So I spent my whole four years of my doctorate based in in what was the Welsh Technology Centre in Potalba at the time, working side by side with, you know, all the research and development people that that were there at the time. So it was almost it was much like being in part of the company. Um, but I was doing my my own research which was for the benefit of, of British Steel as it was at the time. So, so it was a nice segue then. And, and then when I finished my doctorate, I, I tried really hard to get a job outside of the company. Yeah. Um, and I was, because I felt like I had to rebel. Um, yeah. I got, I did get some offers. I was lucky enough to get some offers, but, but the pull of the steel industry was too strong. <laughs> and I ended up, um, despite myself, uh, taking on a job as as you said earlier in, in in customer technical to support and to be honest it was I'm never looked back it was the best decision I ever made. So why did you initially then think look I don't I don't want to be part of this industry why did you look um for jobs elsewhere? I think because it was almost a bit too easy just to do you know materials engineering at Swansea then a sponsored doctorate then go into go into the steel industry it, it felt almost like it was a bit preordained and I just wanted to test that I think um because I, I thought well you know it am I just kind of going with the flow yeah. um or is this actually really what I wanted to do so I you know I applied for um jobs at the Royal Mint and, and I was offered a job at the Royal Mint um I looked at a completely different area looked at the DVLA um and was offered offered jobs there but then when when I really looked into it I thought well you know those places are great as well but I didn't have that emotional connection with them. I'd spent four years working in the company. I knew it's it's great bits. I also knew it's bad bits. So, you know, the, the phrase, better the devil you know. Yes. The problem with some of the graduate recruitment type stuff is you see a lot of the gloss of a company, but you don't necessarily see what it's really like day to day. But I had that insight with British Steel and, um, at the time. So, yeah, when I weighed it all up, I was like, well, you know, don't cut your nose off to spite your face here, Baker, you know. You love steel, go and do it. Fantastic. But was it part of your reticence then around the fact that it is a very male-dominated industry or did that not come into it for you? I think, it, yeah, it was part of the package, I think. I mean, I think at the time, of course, there was a little bit of turmoil in the company as, as it has been ever since, but um, we were we were just merging with Who Governs at the time. Um, and um, so that, you know, when, you, when you're in your early 20s, that's a bit unsettling. Um, as I said, I also wanted to see what, what else was out there. I think the fact that it, you know, it, it is and still is mostly men and, and was more so then was was a factor. I wouldn't say it was it was the main factor, but I think it was difficult for me to see exactly what my progression might be through the company at that time, um, because there weren't there weren't many other women around to, to kind of role model um so it was a bit difficult and there were there had been a few little moments throughout my doctorate with where you know people had challenged the usual oh you know what what women doing in engineering um very few to be fair but there were there were enough to make it nag at you um 
but um so yeah i think one of a one of a package of things which made me just think twice about it yeah so but when you joined the organization then you thought right you've made your decision this is where i'm going to stay because you know there's something quite hypnotic about the steel industry <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree with you. when you join it's sort of um, i don't know it just catches people's yeah. spirits they don't yeah. want to leave yeah um, so what 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 was it like for you then um because you have had a very successful career to date you have moved up the management uh, ranks what has it been like for you being a woman in a male dominated industry like you said you know you could not see um female role models sort of in front of you so you've had to forge your own path in a way yeah i have and i i think as, as i was doing it i, I probably didn't didn't think so much about it you know I'm pretty headstrong but anybody that knows me will know that I'm, I'm pretty headstrong so I, I, I kind of battered my way through the organization yeah. I think there's a lot of things in hindsight that that you kind of just took for granted at the time and I remember in, in my first job in, in CTS going to a customer and um, and they just assumed I was the secretary come to take minutes but no actually I was the engineer who was coming to talk to them about their their press problems you know and it Little things like that, going out on site and, you know, there's no female toilets. Um, little things like that, which at the time you think, oh, yeah, okay, it is, it is what it is. But I could imagine that maybe someone who's a little less headstrong than me would find that very difficult. Um, so I think I've, I've never felt that being a woman has held me back in my career. Um, I've always been able to achieve what I've wanted to achieve. And I've had some fantastic support um from you know throughout my career at all levels of the organization from from men and and, and women and I think regardless of, of your gender having that support network is really important and I often say to to graduates when I'm talking to them you know go and find your gang because you need that gang of people around you that you can really trust um who, who kind of g you on um and and give you the, the courage and and the energy to to keep going yeah. Um, so, you know, I, it's, it's never really, I've never really felt it's held me back, but I did, um, as I've become more senior, I've, I've kind of felt the weight of responsibility to be a role model to younger women coming through the organization. And, and it was, I mean, it was, it, it didn't occur to me until somebody pointed out to me that I was their role model. And I thought, all right, okay, well that, yeah. And now I realize that I didn't have any role models when I was younger coming through the organization so I had to kind of make it up as I go along yeah um now now younger women are, are kind of looking at me which is a huge responsibility and very humbling experience I, I kind of feel I have an almost a duty to them to to show them that it can be done would you say then that female representation in the workplace is important to you um being able to sort of see somebody and and, and strive to be like them um is important for football women yeah I think so I mean I think for anybody you, you have you have to be able to look around you and see people that are like you whether it's it's your gender your ethnicity your, your sexual preference whatever it is you have to be able to see people who are like you progressing and succeeding in, in an area that you want to progress and succeed in um, because if you can't see that it doesn't feel very accessible no. um, and and I think that as I said, I think anybody who is in that position that they can they can be that role model has a bit of a duty to to kind of forge that path on behalf of the people who may not have the courage or, or are too young in their careers to, to demonstrate that courage to do it for themselves. Absolutely. So 
you you're doing that in the workplace but also outside of the workplace um within societies you're heavily involved um sort of promoting women and um highlighting careers for women can you tell us a bit more about that yeah i do i mean now that i've got the steel bug i kind of it it, it permeates throughout my life um but um so there's, there's a few things i do outside of, of the day-to-day uh, promoting steel, but but it, more importantly, women women in steel and women in industry more generally. So I um, I sit on the Engineering Physical uh, Sciences Research Council, um, which for those people who aren't familiar, are, are the government body that really awards most of the research funding um, in steel um, and um, and other industries. So so they have a sort of industry. Um, committee, if you like, that, that advises them, and I and I sit on that for manufacturing, and and through that I get the opportunity to to talk to other people within industry and and other people in manufacturing, and really steer the direction um, that the government funding is going to go. So the kind of things that they're going to get fund going forward, um, and there's a number of of women in that group, and and to be fair, EPSRC have. I've deliberately tried to make sure they've got a diverse council there. Mm-hmm. Um, so because they recognise that the importance of having diverse opinions. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I do a lot of work in that area, which is, which is really interesting and, and, and allows me to, to try and steer the, the funding towards steel. And then the other thing I'm very much involved in is the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining, um, which is the professional body for, uh, materials engineers and metallurgists. So we have a local society in South Wales, the South Wales Metallurgical Association, which is responsible for kind of creating awareness and, and putting on technical events to to kind of train and, and educate the local community on, on materials and other things. So involved in that. Um, and I was the president of that association some years ago, the, the first female president, as, as you can imagine. Um, and again, we try to try to encourage as much involvement from from women, both on the committee, um, but also in, in bringing them in for lectures, but also through outreach activities, trying to go into schools um, and engage with with young girls, particularly in in engineering, but STEM subjects more more widely as well. Because unless we catch them young, uh, it, it's my opinion that that they don't they don't follow the the science route um because they feel that it's not an option open to them so i do that and then i'm also the the chair of the iron and steel um division for the institute of materials minerals and mining um and we're responsible for putting on conferences and events um big big steel conferences um and again outreach and awareness and and again that's very much or has been a very much a um a kind of traditional male environment yeah. um I'm, I'm the first female chair and and we are actively now trying to get more female representation on that board and be and very very aware of, of the way we message ourselves and make sure that it's accessible to everyone um and and not just the, the sort of typical male steel worker so yeah try and do my little bit <laughs> I would say you do more than your little bit and um, so you know you've got a very sort of um, important job in work and stressful heavy workload now you do all of this sort of extracurricular stuff as well which again would take up a lot of your time Um, but 
in amongst all of this, you have a five-year-old anyway. <laughs> so how how do you manage all of this? Because this is the question that's often um, levelled at women, is that you can't have it all. You know, you can't be a successful career woman and um, have, a, have a family or have a successful family life. But you seem to be um, managing that juggle. So... Oh, I don't know. I, I don't talk to my husband. I mean, I think, you know, it, it is a challenge, right? And and I think, you know, it, it it's a challenge for everybody, men as well, I think, you know, yeah, it, it's a challenge for, I mean, I, I'm in a really fortunate position because I've had a successful career and, and I had children or my, my daughters quite late in life. I was at a point in my career where um, we could afford to go down to one salary. So, we, we made the decision that my husband would give up work and, and be a stay-at-home dad because um, that, that was just what worked for us. And, and I think everybody, when they find themselves in the situation of a life-changing event like a child, has to work out what, what works best for them. Um, that worked for us. So um, so it's really great because she, you know, he's a stay-at-home dad and, and, and my, my daughter's living in a world where dad stays home and does the housework and mum goes to work in the factory so hopefully that might uh, start to change some some stereotypes for for her generation um and and it and it works well you know it it means that I don't have to worry about things like you know if, if she's ill at school I don't have to worry about coming home from work early holidays are, are covered so I don't have those those tensions that a lot of people have to deal with day to day and I'm hats off to them which means I can I can really you know put my all in into work. Equally though, I I have drawn back a bit from work. It might not sound like it from what I've been yeah. saying, but you know my days of working you know 12, 13, 14 hours a day are gone because I I do try and make sure that I leave the office when you know at sensible time, yeah. and I will always be home to put my my daughter to bed and and read her stories um, and make sure I take my holidays to be with her. So. So I think, you know, I'm not as much of a workaholic as I was, um, I, and, and I and I try and make sure I, I spend quality time with with my daughter and my husband. But also, you know, my career is a big part of me, and that's really important to me. So I'm not going to compromise on that either. But it's it's an interesting juggling act, as anybody with 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 family will uh, will will know. It is. It's really it's a real difficult sort of tightrope to walk, isn't it? And. Um, yeah. I wonder, do you ever feel sort of that that mum guilt about um, not being able to be at certain sort of school productions? I know I feel it um, when I'm in work or if I'm away with work and, you know, I missed um, sports day last year and um, I had tremendous guilt about it. And I, I wonder, would my husband feel the same guilt? And I don't think that he would. No, I don't. And I do. Female thing or? Yeah, I mean, mum guilt is real, isn't it? And, and I think... Uh, <sighs> I think women generally tend to, to beat themselves up a bit more than, than men. I mean, again, I'm, I'm really lucky in that, you know, the nature of my role means I can usually take time off to go to these these kind of events. I mean, I think I, I did feel guilty. Ellie Mae had her birthday um, the 9th of May. So we had a lockdown birthday. Yeah. Um, so she didn't have the normal big party that she'd have had. And she said, she said to me, oh, mummy, this is the birthday ever because I got you all to myself for a whole day. Oh. And I just, well, I thought, oh, that's really lovely, but I felt terribly guilty <laughs> for not always being there. But then, you know, on the other hand, if I didn't work, 
she wouldn't have had had the nice presence that she has and you know so it, it's all a balance isn't it we you've all got to find our way and, and what works best for us and our families absolutely um so looking now at, at your career you you look back and what do you still want to achieve then because you see you know you you've achieved so much already and you're still young what's, <laughs> left, what's left for you to do oh well um i mean i i'm always just want to keep learning i i really thrive from on learning new stuff um it, it comes from being nosy again i guess but you know i as long as i'm in a, in a role where i'm i'm learning something new every day then then i'm pretty content um i really love managing and, and coaching people and you know it's great i've got a, a team of 25 at the moment which is a really nice number that, that i can um you know help throughout their careers and and i mentor um other youngsters as well to try and help them through their career so you know I, I'm I'm always happy to to just learn more I think everybody is is interested in in how they can add more value and, and progress throughout throughout their career so you know that that's always of an interest but it's always in a technical area um, because that's where my heart is I, I really like the understanding how the product works um, how we can make it better for our customers, how we can make it better for manufacturing. Um, but I also like some of the things I'm doing more of these days is spending more and more time with the universities and, and looking at what the next, you know, innovations are um, in steel. Um, and I think that's probably the direction that my career is heading, is, is looking more at that sort of innovation side and, and how um, how we utilise the research capability around us because we've got some fabulous research, research facilities in Swansea yeah. uh, at the university and then you know if we want to go into de decarbonisation um, and become more sustainable from an environmental point of view these new innovations are really important so I I think that's an area that, that I'll, I'll be spending more time more time at um, and and following that path now in my career. Fab. So if you were to um, have a conversation with your 18-year-old self, what would Laura today say to 18-year-old Laura now? Oh, yeah, um, wouldn't it be lovely to go and do that. I think, um, <laughs> I think, I think all 18-year-olds are finding their way, aren't they? But I, I think probably I spent too much time trying to be somebody that I probably really wasn't um, and trying to fit in with what I thought um, I should be. So I, I would go back and I'd say, look, just be yourself yeah. and, you know, be proud of yourself and, and take value in, in, in yourself and don't try to, to be anybody else. And, and I would also say, don't be frightened to ask for help. Um, I think too often, certainly I, I thought I needed to know all the answers. Um, and you really don't and you can't you can't know all the answers no. you have to, you have to ask and, I, and it comes back to my comment earlier about about having your gang you need that gang of people around you that you can trust and you can ask for, for help um and and who have got your back through through good times and bad really so yeah so i'm not sure how philosophical that is but um those are the things i think i would say to myself Oh, I think they're really wise words because I think um, it speaks to a lot of us, doesn't it? That sort of desire to fit in and um, sort of change ourselves to the environment. But um, I think more successful people will say they, they've become successful just from simply being themselves. There's only one of you in the world, isn't there? 
you know, we're all an original. Um, so I think that's probably um, really solid advice, actually. Um, thinking about um, the industry, that I think only 11% of us are, are women within um, our steel industry. Yeah. What advice would you give um, a young girl, young woman, um, who's thinking about a career in steel or a career in engineering? I would say go for it. I mean, if, if it's where your heart is and, you know, and, and most most people who, who, who study engineering for, for any length of time, you know, they do it because they love it. So so go for it. I mean, there's nothing nothing's going to stop you progressing apart from yourself, which sounds a bit cliched, but yeah. but I think is true. Um, you know, everybody has value that they can bring and you've got to believe in that and, and you've got to go and go and do it and be your best self. Um, and you can have a fabulous career in the steel industry. You know, I've, I've had a fabulous career and I hope I've got, got more years of, to come, you know. Um, and I've enjoyed, I would say, I was about to say every minute, maybe I've not every minute, but I've enjoyed most of it, you know. And, and even the bits where we've had, had some tough times, I've learned so much. Um, and I think, you know, in an industry the size of ours, you've got so many opportunities to, to go and try out lots of different um things you know you can be an engineer or you can be an accountant or you can be a comm specialist or you can be hr you can you know there's so many things you can do yeah. all in one company um so I, I think yeah go for it what's what's stopping you fantastic well thank you so much um for speaking with us today laura that's been really enlightening and finding out about um your career and um the path that you have taken um, thank you so much for talking to us and um, see you next time. Thank you, Nia. Take care.